Hi everyone, it's Joakim Akren, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast. Podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. With 15 years in the games industry, Arseni Lebedev is the co-founder and CEO of Original Games, where he focuses on product and strategy. In this episode with Arseni, we talk about building games, managing stress, and why some people are geared towards entrepreneurship. I hope you enjoy this episode with Arseni Lebedev. All right, Arseni, now we can start talking. Okay, go. <laughs> yes. Hey, like, can you like quickly in a few minutes explain like your sort of origin story in gaming and how you how you made the way made your way into eventually founding original games? Yeah, yeah, I'll do the I'll do the quick one. But so not a lot not a lot of people know the full story, uh, my my story. Um, and I think we should also kind of talk about original games and, and why we're even talking. But but anyway, I started, um, I was born in Russia and my, my family moved to the U.S. when I was pretty little. Um, so I did all my school in the U.S. That's why I sound like a, I'm a New Jersey person. I guess I am a Jersey person. Um, so in school, I was always like, not an underdog, but like kind of a geek. And that used to not be cool. Now it's cool, I guess. Um, so I always, I was always looking for like um, groups that would take me in and and not, you know, make fun of me because I, I had a weird lunch and um, had a weird name. Um, so I I got into like it, it, around New York City. There was kind of like the the hacking scene or the hacker space scene that was all starting. Um, so. Very early, I was, you know, meeting meeting people that were into technology, into computers. My first internship was at Make Magazine. That was really fun. And I met a lot of folks that, you know, ended up having um, either careers in technology. Well, no, all of them had careers in technology. And, and some, of these, some of these folks, you know, built really interesting companies. Um, I got to meet a lot of really interest, just interesting people. Like yeah. a, a dude that started a, a Dutch uh, ISP. Like you don't meet those people at an early age usually. Um, so then after college, I actually, so during college, I, I guess I interned at, um, a game studio called, uh, large animal games. That was incredible. And I had an opportunity to kind of get into games a little bit and understand what casual games were and, and how, you know, not triple ga a games were made. The, the, the way I got into the, the, the way I got into large animal games was, was funny as well. My, my girlfriend at the time. Um, who's going to Columbia, went to a job fair. Uh, and, you know, there was a guy from Large Animals there. So I told her, can you go to the, can you take the job, go there, and then just give them my resume? Um, okay. And then like, so that we did that. That's how it, it happened. So she went there, gave Wade my resume. And then I guess yeah. the rest is history um yeah. when i finished college though i, I kind of left games and i went to work for uh, my family's company which was like uh selling photovoltaic components um and that's when you make a solar cell you know that to, to get renewable energy there's like there's a lot of kind of high science and high chemistry that goes into that so i did that but the big learning there was like you know at the age of 21 or 22 i was doing like huge business contracts like um, you know, they were very 
brick and mortar, you know, there's like a box that weighs this much and you need to transport it to this place and the quality has to be a certain, all that stuff. But I mean, at such an early age, you know, I think the, con the my first contract was like 75 million um, over, over a couple of years. So that was really cool. Um, a couple of years through that, um, I kind of learned the ropes on how business really is done. Um, and it gave me mm -hmm. a lot of, a huge opportunity to travel, like just Asia, whatever. And that was really cool. Um, so I kind of made my way back to games. Uh, I started uh, Cygnus Labs, which is like an outsourcing company, um, mobile outsourcing. Well, I guess first it was Facebook, then it was mobile. And uh, Zynga was our first client. That was cool. Um, and we also worked with iWin. Great guys. Uh, really cool IP that I keep still seeing around. Um, and, and we did that for a few years. Um, we and, and we sold that company to EPAM Systems, uh, which is just a, a massive outsourcing company. And I, and I learned at the age of around 30 what like corporate life is. So mm -hmm. a little bit late to the corporate life game, but also got out really fast. It, it wasn't for me at the time. I didn't understand how to succeed. Um, but, you know, I kind of saw... I saw a lot that I didn't know, but, but in any yeah. case, I was able to, um, I was able to, after that, uh, start working with machine zone, uh, which I think the education, and that was a few years that education was like, uh, okay, well, you know how to build the games. How do you run them? How do you launch them? Like what is marketing? Because technically mm -hmm. at machine zone, I, I worked for the marketing team that the company was kind of split internally between the game team and the marketing team. And they were both massive. Um, so that was a great experience, but I, I think kind of some other stuff that people don't really know about me, um, or I'm, I'm sure your, your listeners don't know me at all. Um, I, I really love art. And and I and I think art is about expression and truth and kind of finding finding truth. Um, and, and it's difficult, you know. We live in this world that's all surrounded by branding and all this stuff, and it's very difficult to get to the heart of something. But you know, sometimes an individual or an artist, you can see that truth like it's right there. So I'm, I always try to sponsor arts. And when I was living in Russia, uh, I had like these music venues that I was just paying for. Um, and you know, young people playing and, and all that. So, um, I, I want to continue doing that, uh, when, when I can, but, uh, yeah, so I love electronic music. I mean, I actually don't like music, but I, I love the, the, the process and, and the people. Yeah. Um, I did a summer concert last, last year. That was fun at a, at a, an abandoned children's camp. Well, <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah. Um, but so, um, this was all during this um, machine zone time. Machine zone was sold um, around the time I kind of thought, "Hey, we should. I should make you know another company." So I brought together found the, the founders' of original games and kind of we went from there. Um, and now you know we have this. We just bought uh, another game. Um, we're trying to figure out merge. Uh, you know, double digit millions in revenue, uh, and this year should be really fun as well. <laughs> I say, I say that uh, half sarcastically. Yeah, yeah. Every every year is fun in games. Yes. So, <laughs> let, let's go back, man, to the to the point where you left the family company. Like you, you went back to games. Like why not do a startup already before original games? Like you had these points where you had a choice: what you're gonna do next. Like, what was yes, what was so, the lead so, up? So, 
Cygnus Labs was was my first company. I was the founder, right? So right, um, but it was a service provider, and that's very different from doing kind of own IP and and all of that. And that that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really cut my teeth on what it is to run a company. Like then, uh, you know, I had my, my comp was like two thousand dollars a month or something. Like it was crazy for years, um, but. Uh, I, I, so like, I guess if the question is what, what made me do that and not take a a traditional path, um, you know, traditional path in New York area means you work in finance. Um, but I think it's two points. So the, the key, (laughs) the key differentiator for me on why I thought games was cool. Um, I told you, I like all these geeky, weird tech guys, but like some of them were a little bit too crazy and, 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 you know, I had a guy who had a freaking individual paper password. Every time he logged into his computer, he had a paper password that he would use. Like, that's how crazy some of these guys were. Um, so I went to games and, and Large Animal had this policy where if you could get into um, a conference as a speaker, then like the trip is paid for. So I was like, OK. Um, and I had this opportunity at a, at a fairly youngster age to speak at um, Casual Connect in Seattle. And like the people there were just it's like, these are the same crazy people, but they like games. And so do I. Mm. So I think mm. in, in my mind is like, this is if you're going to suffer horribly in life, you should suffer with these people than like on Wall Street or, or you know, in, in a factory that makes renewable energy. Um, mm. So that was that. And then why why the startup and why not um, company? I mean, it's probably because I'm like a dummy, but also. I'm very motivated by just doing doing cool stuff. Mm, yeah. And that was the easiest direct route to do cool stuff. Yeah. But then probably I'll, I'll move move a bit towards the current point. You're you're like you did the startup, but then you did machine zone. Was that kind of like a a moment? to rest a bit like like how do you know anyone that's worked at machine zone knows that's not a resting point um no no but i think that the the uh that was basically another company um that was uh, you know the, my title was studio head but that was um the relationship was was very like hey you have this point of contact who's a senior executive um and you work together but you manage your own PNL, you, you do all that. Um, and plus that was, that was remote. So it, it, it was a, it was kind of, it, it was a startup that wasn't funded by a venture company. It was funded by uh, a large demanding organization. Um, yeah. But I think like, that's also, if you, if you're like a, a senior VP or something at a, at a large, um, you know, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar value, valuated company, um, you, you may be back into kind of a startup, mindset like you yes. because it's you just have to get shit done yeah you can't you can't rely on 30 layers of managers yes and even with the the managers there's like with a company like machine zone i bet it like like you said it's not a resting place so like you need to do stuff as a pnl holder an owner of yes. a certain department so yeah i get that very much like for me personally, I think like one of the reasons why the quality and let's put it this way, more like getting shit done um, 
like impressive gaming startups in Finland. Like we're not seeing a lot of seriously small giant games, even next games like that. I don't think it was only a, a tailwind of mobile that made those great companies. I think a lot of that was that people were uh, experienced VPs, managers, PNL owners from bigger organizations where there was a hierarchy and you'd need it to get shit done. Yeah. Versus now we're sort of experiencing also this kind of wave of flat hierarchy where you where you're not necessarily responsible for PNL in the same same way as you did with a hierarchy. I don't know, does that make any sense to you? I just like this is it's, it's very interesting. Um because I think what you're getting at is, is like if you understand that you can die tomorrow, then you, you want to get shit done. Mm. Um, and I was reading, uh, my, my, my wife wanted to watch Pretty Woman. I've never seen it before. So I was reading about it. And one of the quotes was like, Pretty Women did not have a fixed budget at Disney. And I'm like, how do you have a movie with no fixed budget? What the hell is that? But I think like that, yeah, you know, are there organizations that sort of operate like that? You don't have a fixed budget, just do your shit just get this done and and for me that's like the opposite of how i function you know it's like i have these finite resources i have a finite amount of time um and we, we have to do the best we can with this and that and that means being active can't just sit around and wait for things do you think for a game startup founder getting shit done is a better skill than knowing what a game is supposed to feel like <laughs> well no i think Probably number one is, I think number one is, is, is like knowing, knowing the road to, to what a game is supposed to feel like. Sure. Right. Yeah. But, but, but um, I mean, like if, and, and like, I have like so many notes for this call because we, we, we discussed a lot of different topics, but I think how do you define getting shit done or how do you define what work is? And like some people consider work just like helping people that need help. Um, but I think, and there's something to that, right? So, you, you know, you, you kind of have office hours and people come to you and then you solve their problems, but like, I don't think that's getting shit done. I think that's like, mm. Mm. that's like hiding from problems. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's a certain, um, there's a certain discipline, uh, to, so like work for me is good, good work is disciplined work. Um, to the point that, like, if I have a phone call where I'm not taking notes, that's like a, that's like a cheat. That's like a cheap, let's say it's like a vacation. I don't have to do anything. I'm just, like, listening. <laughs> um, and I think, and, and like, that's half seriously um, what I try to push kind of to all my staff. And, and it's like, guys, if you make doing certain things annoying, but but valuable for example when you have a phone call when you have a meeting with five people take notes and share them um yes that's annoying you have to think and write and and manage and all that but that that call that meeting will have infinitely more value right than if it's just a bunch of people talking and that's it and it's the end of that um but that's that takes discipline and you can you can look at any task or anything at work um and tell yourself, how can I do this better? So, 
yeah. at least you feel at least you feel you feel like you did some did some stuff and then just show up to a phone call tell me about your big takeaways from working in gaming like that prepared you well for OG. yeah that that's that's a good one i mean so i think well you got to understand like my philosophy on life lately has been or you know lately meaning the past 10 years is like it, you know anyone that's familiar with the prince this kind of like you know machiavelli's book on on how to be how to be a a, a kind of a kingly leader um the, and there's a couple of theses there where like people's motivation is just themselves so um and then you know there's also this element of well if you can if you can pay people for their kind of uh honor to you that's one thing so but but uh people should also like you to, to an extent people should fear you as well um and then like those are all very basic things that well how do you apply that to to work and not you know some fantasy tv show or something but it's like um it, it all comes down to motivation and for, for me i like being active and sometimes i'm a pain in the ass but I like being very active and, and I like to, I like for things to get done and for things to be actioned. Um, and I think you have to, like, that's something you just have to learn, right? Because if you're not, if you're not on top of things, um, you know, to, to, to a realistic degree, if you're, so I'm not, I don't know everything that happens at, at original games. Uh, you know, we have two games now, but th there's a process set up um, that kind of, red flags will come up there there are enough checks and balances um and and there are enough checks and balances that not an individual needs to take risk to solve something because sometimes it's difficult to understand that, that hey uh, th this this is not something i want to be solving but but in the end it it, it is need, something that needs to be solved or it is something that we need to worry about and those things need to come up i i mean like that's like a very wordy answer to your question but but i i think learning learning that you need to you need to be an act you need to always be active you need to make an impact on the team around you that's kind of the big takeaway from my you know 17 years in 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 games and, and running my own company is like be, being active having an impact on those around you and having an impact on the business is, is the most important thing okay like let's go talk a bit about og uh why did you guys do so well in merge two, whereas so many other companies have tried to go into that genre and it's been hard for people. Like, do you have a thesis around like what kind of games you okay, guys so, create and things like that? So what? Matters? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can tell you. Um, I'll be happy to share kind of because one of the questions you asked is like, how do you make a category leading game? I don't think anybody yeah. knows that, but I have. Um, so uh, we started original games. Um, we like we thought of hybrid casual as our main thesis and this was like in 2019 so all you smarty casual hyper casual dudes that are now moving to hyper casual or hybrid casual um this is all old old stuff and and i think everybody knows that i'm i'm joking but we so what i wanted to do was i like the idea that you can take a very simple core gameplay um release that core gameplay and if it resonates well that's how you make a, a big normal game um so and that's kind of the hyper casual model so hyper casual games are super super easy um 
pick up and play, whatever. And then the way that those are monetized is like through the super aggressive um, advertising. User users are very cheap, and the kind of the math works out. Our thesis is always start with hyper casual, prove it out as a hyper casual concept, and then add kind of the economic layers and all that. So we started doing that from the beginning and merge in our kind of lead game, which is a merge two game was always built on top of that. It wasn't built as a clone of Merge Mansion, which I would say that 50% of the, the, the people out there are doing. It was always built as its own core game with a very specific core message, um, or like a not, a, not a core message, but a, like a, a specific core loop that has a core balance on, on how the game should progress. Uh, it doesn't really have much of a, a metagame. That's an area that we're still exploring because we're trying to get that magical match three long-term retention um but let's so specifically like what makes a good game well i i think having a great team of of those impact players proactive people that are that won't shy away from conflict that's probably number one i mean those those people have to know their shit too but i mean having good people um having tech that follows your vision so for, for example there's um company called easy brain i think they were acquired by uh, one of those big uh embracer i think or still front one of those guys but so their thing their idea was we're making very simple parlor games let's make them natively and like that's brilliant so so they would actually have uh you know that say they have a mahjong game that would be made by there would be essentially two teams making the same game and that's that's brilliant because those games if you can optimize them by making them native um they're going to be that much better so so that's so your tech really needs to follow what you're doing um i mean for us it's unity and i guess there's nothing really surprising there um but we're taking advantage of that um and i think the other one is you need to start thinking about the game the game's analytics and data right from the beginning how are you going to market it how are you going to understand how well you're you're doing and, and all of that and and i guess the the other um, the last piece is kind of funding and money and you have to know how to spend it. So, um, you should understand kind of your, your growth channels immediately. And then kind of like, what did we do with merge in that maybe others didn't do or, or, I mean, our core vision was always like test everything, test every assumption to a point that like, it, it's not overkill. Um, yep. so, so the visuals in that game are are done in a very specific way that, that that was like tested we built a kind of internal bible on how you like how are these how do you draw these pieces um or uh, so there, there's like a certain kind of multi-step rule set on how you on on how the the kind of the tiles are drawn um we always wanted no big meta um so that, you know, the, the kind of typical isometric builder, like we, we specifically wanted to see what, what else can you do so, so you don't kind of not default to it, but you don't have that. So um, we have a social layer and, and we have uh, kind of mini games. We call them side jobs. That's been working out well. And, and of course, like kind of the live ops on, on that project is just optimizing that and figuring out what players want. Um, uh, we had uh, like our... The game itself was never meant to be revolution. I mean, it's not. So it's uh, merge in is like a five percent difference from a from a typical casual game, in terms of visuals and kind of like what what value it has. 
Um, and then I think the, the most unique thing we did, and it's not unique at all, so you understand kind of where we're coming from, is like, I wanted to have no, no humans. We wanted to specifically have animals. Um, just, you know, because the idea was everyone has these, like, everyone has like the frisky lady. Well, I want to have a frisky mouse. Um, and then in the testing we did, like it, it, it didn't, it was not a detriment. People were fine with it. Um, mm. And the idea was always that like anything we do thematically, it has to just be corny. Um, so like, right. There's a rabbit character and the rabbit character has a lot of babies because like rabbits reproduce really fast. Like that, that kind of humor. I love that. Yeah. So it's basically like doubling down on, on funny things. As but, well, but as like corny, cute, cute and yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. not not yeah. cute, just kind of corny, um, mm -hmm. because that kind of humor I think is really safe for a lot of people, and and um, yeah. and it's interesting because in our community pages, there's some players that completely fully get every one of these dumb jokes. And I'm very happy about that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Like thinking about the whole landscape now in mobile, how have things changed? when it comes to getting like a new game out, let's say you'd need to launch something now. What has changed in the last two years? Yeah, well, I mean, the obvious one is, um, I think, you know, it all stems from kind of privacy and, and um, user acquisition related to uh, ATT. And Mobile Dev Memo every week will have a new article about, you know, how, how much scan sucks and all that. So. I don't think maybe this isn't the place to talk about the details of that. But I mean, the, the, the thing is, it's just it's difficult to do that model where you release a new, a new or a derivative game and then fully really get a, a full picture of how, you know, your potential performance just by user acquisition. So I think a lot more kind of if you're if you're a little solo player, there's there's a lot more bets on success than there than there were you know two years ago i think if if you're you know, if you're playtica and you're saying we're not making any new games that's an, a, another interesting approach i think that that messaging by the way i think was much more for for investors than than really what was happening internally but um i think that's what's different and it's like this year it, it, you know if if you're a company that has a ton of different ip you may be in a, in a better spot than than a new, a new entrant that has a killer app Right, because that killer app may have a harder time growing this year or, or even, you know, in, in the near future. What kind of new products can break through? Have you thought about that? That's, I mean, that's, that's a interesting question. Um, I, th no, well, I think it's not going to be some crazy mid-core game. Um, you know, if you look at um, Vampire Survivors, incredible experience on mobile even even that crappy their crappy port from from steam to mobile i still play that from um from all the other clones but is that going to be a breakthrough like that probably is one of the biggest mobile releases right in terms of introducing essentially a new genre but is that you know did that destroy the competition no um it, it kind of spawned a new genre and you know made, was successful um but i'm thinking that uh the the casual kings are not going away this year and and they're they're in a great spot switch gears here a bit and, and talk about your work 
week and your time you spend on entrepreneurship stuff, which is work. Um, what does your week look like from Monday to Friday? Um, I mean, I, I don't have kids. So that's like the preface here. Um, that's probably another project I have to get on. Um, but actually, so I, I mean, I don't do anything unusual. I think the thing that is very important to me that kind of that I've picked up on, do, do not check email on the weekends or like just shut off Slack, shut off email, right? Because you're going to, something might come in and then that's just going to take up all your time. But usually like, so, so my thing is like, I don't really separate uh, work and life. Like it's just, it, for me, it's more like disciplined time and undisciplined time. And like, uh, and when we can get into that a bit later, but so I'm like a, I'm a heavy morning person and I use my mornings as kind of my, my executive time. So I, that's like totally my time. Uh, and that's partially just routine shit, but also like, I like to work out in the morning. And, and if I don't do that, uh, like that workout time is in incredibly valuable, um, right? Because you're, you're physically busy and your, your mind is not always busy. So if you're doing like a, this is like so lame talking about workout stuff, but like if you're, if you're doing like a 60 minute run, that's incredible kind of brain time also to kind of, to get things off. And then, um, I typically, I kind of start my, my, you know, work, work day, like around noon and you know, that would go until six or seven. Um, and then, you know, just undisciplined time after that. Um, but I think that the underscore is like there, it, there's a conscious thing with like completely alone time. Um, and you know, like, like workout or, or fitness time is, is super important. I think kind of the, the other thing here, um, that I wanted to say is, um, I don't really like vacations and that's something I need to figure out how to do. I don't like vacations because the, the longer I'm out of the loop, the longer I have to catch up and, and the more kind of my team gets too much of me, you know? So, um, I, I, I have to try to figure that out. Um, and then the, the other one is like, nowadays we're all, everyone's remote, right? Everything's like getting more and more remote. Um, and then I hate that, but that, that what I'm getting at is like, you're just spending more time, more time on zoom or Google meet or whatever in front of a camera. Um, and we have to kind of all get used to that. Um, so kind of like what I've been doing is my philosophy and it still applies. I used to have, I used to have this meeting philosophy where it's like, I have passive meetings and I have like active meetings or proactive meetings. So the passive meetings are like, I would, I just go in there to listen. Um, and the purpose of the meeting is to get a reaction, get a reaction out of me, get my immediate feedback on something that I don't really have much context on. Um, and that's, that's one way of having a lot of meetings during the day, but still being fairly productive. So then you, then you have proactive meetings where that meeting, I know I have to prep. And there'll be prep time, you know, where I put together a deck or, you know, I come with notes or I have to review materials beforehand. Having the ability to kind of prep for some meetings and not prep for other meetings is incredibly valuable because those proactive meetings become, you know, essentially also valuable. That's, that's my little work rant for all you youngsters. Yeah. How, you, how do you see yourself involved in product? Um, I mean, so is, kind of, 
was there a follow-up to that or... yeah I'm, I'm i wanted to kind of like dig more deeper into like decisions regarding something that the team is working on like you said that you're passive is that part of the passive uh but also like yeah so i mean let's let's use a very specific example so we usually when we do new content for merge in um i like to get final say so what does that mean um that means we have every like week or two there's like a a miro meeting where um we we look at all the materials for the next uh kind of content set and it's it, it's the design mater- design material so it's like you know it's going to be these items these you know w- whatever the content is but it's not finished it's not even sketches and it's like me and the art team and i and i basically i'm seeing it for the first time so i have no context on what the what the thinking was um and that almost puts me into the user's point of view right because they're going to see it for the first time as well that's super productive right because i can ask stupid questions naturally right because one of one of the great things about um one of the things about being a leader is sometimes you have to ask stupid questions because it alleviates assumptions. But in this case, like I don't even all the questions are stupid because I haven't seen any of this stuff before. So so that's one way of um that's one way of kind of participating in, in the creative piece or the, the product piece. But but the other way is sometimes you have to come in and say, I want to, I want to look at the backlog and I want to reprioritize the backlog. Um so if you, you know, if you folks are familiar looking at backlogs, sometimes it's just there's too many stories and you don't understand what's going on. So ha- have the team work with you and, and figure out and go over those priorities. Um, so I guess the, the, the answer is uh, I'm not going to be sitting there writing stories. Right. But it's very important that sometimes to make sure that team priorities are, are actually kind of where your head's at as well. And that's a great way to, to participate in the product without breaking anything. Why do you think some people are geared towards entrepreneurship and become founders? Like, there's probably a big spectrum there, but like from your perspective, how did you get geared towards entrepreneurship? Well, so, I mean, we talked about this earlier and it's like, um, I think outside of, um, I want to be my own boss or whatever. Like, I don't think, I don't think entrepreneurship is like, you know, a TV show about having a startup my motivation was always i wanted to do cool stuff um and the more i i put myself in in the into that pattern the the more it was like well you know if you want to do cool stuff you also got to manage finances and and find people find other people to do cool stuff with but that it's a little bit selfish right so it's like uh you know entrepreneur entrepreneur is probably the motivation should be the the money uh for me it's doing cool stuff um, hmm. But I, I think the, and, and this is another like stupid uh, broy answer, but it's like entrepreneurs are, are natural connectors. And if you look at everything, including problems, like a, an opportunity, that's, that's, I think that's what sets, uh, you know, m- most entrepreneurs are just looking at everything at like an opportunity. This person needs this. So I'll, I'll, I'll connect, I'll connect, I'll make that connection or I'll, or I'll make the solution myself and benefit. But for for me, that's that's a definition of doing cool stuff. What's your relationship with this kind of like early days Facebook move fast and break things kind of mentality? Yeah, that's fine. I like that. I just uh, I would just add the there should be a process. Mm. So or so 
yeah molding the, fast the, the stupid analogy is like buildings on fire does the entrepreneur actively evacuate everyone or or does the entrepreneur build a fire safety system right um and like it's it's an interesting thing right so do you save your team because the, everything's on fire or do you make sure next time the fire get, gets put out by itself it's a, it's a really interesting one how should people screen for that when they're hiring people for the team <laughs> that's a good question i've made <laughs> enough mistakes like that um yeah i mean it's if you're if you're hiring you have to be finding uh kind of I think I think anyone in the in the management position should be kind of an impact player, which means looking at everything as an opportunity. Um, and the only answer, the only for sure answer I have is there are kind of personality tests or whatever you know that that can open some of those. Um, but you also have to look at, I mean, of course, like the basis of any team is trust, right? So so sometimes that that's more important than is the person you know are, are these people going to be making the same decisions the same way that you are. It's more about trust. Another topic regarding entrepreneurship, which I've I've uh, like suffered from so much, is like the stress, burnout, yes. all sorts of fears that keep you up at night. Um, like, how do you manage those kind of things? Take care of yourself. Take care of team. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, yeah. So this one, this of course was. I think this is kind of what started. Uh, us talking about talking um yeah so like last year uh part of my team was in russia and you know the, i think that we made a choice that we had to get the heck out of there you know we we moved we ended up moving like 40 people last year um mm -hmm. to a totally new country um and then so during that process um we got into we, we got into trouble with our, our bank they're like yo who are all these russians what's going on here let's let's uh let's let's chat um yeah. and that that also so you know all of a sudden not only is work essentially disrupted because people are physically moving and, and we have to allocate a giant budget to this but it's like oh, oh by the way we can't even access that budget um and then one of my co-founders got really sick so it's like and then we're down ahead um and that was like i i thought I'd never been burned out, but I think last year was kind of like the true test on, on like, how do you, how do you deal with this and what really burnout is? And like, so before I answer your question, there's a lot of text, but um, the, for me, burnout is not like this low on gas thing. Cause I think like, dude, if you're low on gas, it's like go to sleep, you'll be back yeah. the next day. I think burnout is when you're, you so it's two things you're not motivated to do to, to continue but you're also so far into a into the corner like you're backed into a corner i mean so far that there is no corner to back into like your, your safety net of the corner is not there anymore um that your decisions will just you won't be making proper decisions you'll be moving into like a different dimension so so for me for example um what's what was happening at the end of last year was like i you know i was my safety net uh or, or like what is a human safety net right so like food rest shelter health reproduction so like okay well i don't have rest because i don't have i don't really have a place to live 
I, like, I don't have a place to live. Um, I mean, I can, I can sleep, but of course the stress is keeping you up. Um, my health should be okay, but I, I'm, I'm moving all the time. So like health is a thing. Of course, I don't care about reproduction at all. The stress is making that impossible. So like what's left is food, but it's like, okay, do you just indulge in food? But that means you're just drinking all day. So all of that was super messed up. And what I found myself was I was moving into these, like, I was having these like borderline problems, like borderline personality problems where my, my mood would shift incredibly, like the mood shifts would get, would get nuts to a point where now I was like, what the hell's going on? I got to slow down. I got to stop this. So uh, your question initially was like, how do you deal with, how do you deal with that stress? So um, I know that the way of not dealing with it is you should like escape is it, it's like a short-term solution. So escape can be, you know, partying, drinks, etc. Um, and that sort of works. So I had days when it was like just work nonstop for five days. And then I I had days in the summer where I was like just awake for 48 hours, just like chilling. So, so your so your weekend was almost longer than your than your work week, right? So you're like, um, you can escape that way. But I mean, that's not, that's, that's good once. Don't, don't keep doing that. Um, I think mm -hmm. the, I think the thing you got to do is I, I personally, I talk to myself. Um, I, I don't do well with therapy. I, I, I start to think about why am I talking to this person? I don't know this person. I talk to myself and I've been doing that since high school. Um, you know, I have these dialogues. I'm in a quiet place. I have dialogues and, and the questions inside are like, like what do you have to lose like those kinds of things like what yeah. what is the worst that can possibly happen and and like you know i i sort of came from privilege but i also understand what having essentially nothing is so for me that the the rock bottom isn't for me the rock bottom is very far um and it's more about it's more about losing the success so it's like if you if you put everything in perspective it's like I'm I'm trying to do something great for this company for all all, the, all my people. I'm trying to you know, so even if I totally mess up, it's still better than than rock bottom. Um, and and I think that's that's the most. So if you're going through like men, mental health issues, like not talking about you just need to, two days of sleeping. I'm talking about like you just can't make proper decisions and your day ends, you know, drinking, you, you have to step back, pull yourself out of it. If you're a decision maker, you make that decision that you just have to you have to slow down. Um, for me, it's, it's just writing it out, compartmentalizing. And I think yeah. um, maybe the last thing on this, the, the, the one big thing I figured out is that you literally, you need to have clothing and shelter you need to have health, you need to have um, food and like all that, it, that's real. So one of the problems is when, when we were moving, we didn't have shelter and, and but we still had to work. Like every, everyone's trying to look for a place to live. I was living in Airbnbs and like, I, I thought you could never get tired of living in the hotel. Come on, hotel, you got everything. So people clean your room, all the shit, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> How many times can you wake up and not have a kitchen, right? So. If you pull yourself back and you and you start to realize, okay, well, this stress is coming from my work and my and my living condition and this and this and this, 
you should solve what's easier to solve. If, it, if that means getting out of work for a week to, to get an apartment, 100% you have to do that. You know, if you're having issues with your family, stop working and fix your family. Um, but that's a, that's, that's a conscious decision. Because There's you need that of... safety net, right? You, you, need, yeah. you need something to back into. And like, if I'm yelling at my wife, you know, because I think that she's turning against me and she's going to leave me because, you know, we had to leave Russia or something like, hey, I think your brain doesn't work, dude. Slow down. Mm. Yeah. the Like the things like these analogies of startup life, the roller coaster that goes up and down. And like, I, I often think about the the role of a, a founder is like you're you have all the eggs in one basket. And you're trying to balance the basket with one finger. Yeah. Somebody's constantly putting more eggs into that fucking basket, and it's like starting to shake. And I had um, steady. And I, I know you were talking about your difficulties um, publicly yeah. as well. Um, I I had like a thing. Uh, I mean, I I had an analogy that that I think, and the analogy it's specifically probably is going to be difficult for for people, but I, let me just say it. So one of the ways of of that I always found myself um, is, is helpful is like, never be, never think, okay, I'm here. I, I'm at the top. I've reached the top. Um, but how do you, how do you see higher or how, like, what is better than you have? Like, how do you see that? Because you, because usually w- when you see what's higher, it's not that much better, but sometimes it is. So like yeah. I had this, I had an opportunity to, to fly private once and like, So that was like me. There was like a person who was serving me and there's another guy and there's a person serving that guy. And that's it. And and like, and two pilots. So that was like, and you know, I had like a, I had a bed. Um, that ruined flying for me. And it's interesting because I understand how much, how many resources, you know, beyond the freaking carbon footprint or whatever, um, that experience costs. And and you're like, is it is that worth it? It's like, but I sort of never want to fly, you know, economy ever again. Um, but you still have to, and that's super yeah. humbling, um, and it's grounding. And, and and like that kind of, I'm you know I'm so successful, blah blah blah, but yeah. I still can't yeah. get a forty million dollar jet. Um, and it's not that mm-hmm. I want the jet, but it's like it's this this balance where you should never be comfortable where you are, even if, yeah. even if shit's good. Um, because if, if you're never comfortable where you are, if you lose something, Hey, you're, you're not, you weren't really comfortable there in the first place. Yeah. That's very mentally helpful for me. I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it, it yeah. It, well, uh, yeah. What I changed helpful. about my like relationship with entrepreneurship after my burnout, uh, when I left next games is that like, I don't want to, I don't want to be in the, existential crisis mode like day in a day out yeah that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Like that. to be honest it it felt often like that's that's the main sort of mode that you're in um the money is running out game isn't working yeah uh people are leaving like you know the list goes on and on like more of these like gut punch um sort of yeah. things yeah, and it's like every time you get up you're just you're still getting punched Um, that's that, well, that's part of, that's part of being an entrepreneur. But like I said, you know, 
there's a discipline to it and not every not work is not always fun but like if so if it's not fun because you're constantly getting punched that's the worst if it's not fun because you you have to train yourself to you know sometimes you have to read a, a three-page text spec and understand what it says and um like going back to what you said when i asked about the move fast and break things like you have to have a process like how do yeah. you eliminate this ex- existential crisis from being looming uh your everyday sort of mentality and mindset yeah yeah like, i mean that's so the the way that you know i'm interpreting what you're saying is like if if i don't trust people in the company there's this looming thing of like this guy is just this guy or gal is just you know wasting my time like that's toxic that's a toxic thought and that makes you a toxic person so you have to eliminate that stuff you gotta i mean for me it's take a step back and just think through this conversation think through what's happening and and you know change yourself if you don't change yourself no one's going to change anything for you yeah, uh, you, you don't get a medal for showing yeah. up. Yeah, there's like, there's there's big changes that you can always like in like do as a, like a leader of a company. You can fire people. You can pivot what you whatever yeah, yeah. you're doing. You can get people on board of all of these ideas. So I think that's a that's already like a really good balancing act to the existential crisis. Well, thing. of course. I mean, so here here's another little analogy um, that I I sometimes think through so uh there's kind of, there's three types of people uh, in the world so uh and i'll sh- i'll give you a scenario uh, that have three different type mindsets so uh like you're, you're coming down a river in a boat so the first type of person will just let the river take them second type of person will be in the boat kind of steering the boat trying to change the direction but still kind of going the same direction the the, the same end path but taking a different way to it and then the third type of person is the river um, and it's like, well, what the hell does that mean? Does that mean if you want to be the river, you have to be in control of everything? But I, no. I think that's more saying that, like, you have to set your own goals. Mm. Um, so if, if if the river suddenly can stop the flow, the, can reverse the flow, that's that's really interesting. And you have you shouldn't forget that. Like, hey, if shit's going down, just you can just change the environment. Um, so, Yeah. But I think that should be a no-brainer. I think I think the more yeah. difficult thing is: Do you trust yourself to make decisions if your if your mind is like rat brain? And that's yeah. that's the problem I had, where I, I I at some point realized that the things that were in my mind were probably false, and and I have to slow down. What is your take on this kind of concept of work-life balance? Like, does it, it does it exist? I don't think it exists. Um, I think that you sh- if you think that way that's like you know version 1.0 and you should move to version 3.0 where um your 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 life is a job and you know it's disciplined you have a certain discipline um if you're if you know six hours of your day you're watching tv and, and being lazy well that's like a um life and laziness balance i don't know uh, yeah. How do you? How, how can you take those those hours? And you could still be in front of the TV, but how are you going to make that kind of productive? And like, I, as an American, there's this whole productivity mindset here, blah blah blah. But uh, but I think there's a point to it, and it's like you know, like one of the things I want to do 
I want to, I want to put a habit of stretching. I'm getting older. I need to stretch. So I'm like, I'm actively working on how do I use my, my personal time in the morning, um, to, to, to get in stretching. It's very difficult if you're moving every three months, like I am right now, but, um, it shouldn't be, I should just freaking man up or not man up, but you know, be disciplined. Yeah. 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 I, I often think about this with this work-life balance questions. Like I personally lean forward into the work a bit yes. more <laughs> like that, that what it means is like, I enjoy it so much. Um, and I've systematized it in a way that it's not unhealthy to be spending a lot of time obsessing about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do like accidentally with the kids. I accidentally like remove myself from thinking about work for like a weekend. And that's fine. It, yeah, it is amazing, actually. Um, it's like, you know, intervention yeah. that works. I mean, so my, my thing is I really love games and I think I always find it an honor if the game is good or, you know, attempts to be good. I find it an honor to play the game, to, to, mm. to see that vision. Um, and I think that's, that's a big, you know, a lot of people that aren't into games, they just think it's a waste of time. Maybe it is a waste of time, but for me, it's like, it's an honor to, to be in this vision and to yeah. kind of pick apart your vision. Um, and that's yeah. why I just hate that stuff is released ahead of time and you can't so what i'm getting at is that's my escape but i think it's kind of a healthy escape in some cases i mean not with freaking hogwarts play there for like three weeks straight i have so many cats in, in my little uh the zoo yeah i'm actually going backwards in time playing i was playing outrun today um, oh my god i was that's trying a... to figure out yeah like, why isn't there a mobile version of outrun that's successful and like it's part of the racing dilemma like racing games just can't be simple enough for controls I mean, and decisions and everything why isn't cart rider remade every three years and number one number one game so mm. a lot of what's that. your what's your take why I just, I think there's just, I mean, Rovio made that the Rovio racing game. That was like the best racing game ever. Um, I mean, for the five minutes I played it, maybe that's why that maybe that's why it didn't work out. Everyone only played it for five minutes. Um, I just think there's there's something with with car or car games or racing games that, that doesn't have mass appeal. Yeah. Hey, final question for you, Artisan. Uh, yes. What is your advice for gaming founders who are we're just getting started on this journey to the unknown. I think so. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I think uh, if anyone's listened all the way through the this uh, call, um, it's like, don't be comfortable where you are ever and um, be prepared. Be prepared to work and work is making decisions, taking on risk. You have to be disciplined at any hour you spend on work. Think about that hour. Is it you're just sitting there in the meeting listening to people? Are you taking notes? Are you going to be thinking about what, what people are saying? Are there obvious things that you should be putting your foot down on? Those are the that's what's going to happen. If, if, if some dummy out there gives you a couple million dollars to make a game, don't blow it because, because you didn't say something in some meeting. Like, that's actually my my biggest 
my my biggest scare is like I'll lose everything because you know I took a day off and I didn't look at some some configuration file, and because of because of me everything broke. You know, like that's my that's like the fear. Luckily, that's not a reason to wake up in the middle of the night yet. But um, yeah, that's a really like that's not micromanaging, right? That's you're obsessing about like being on top of things and helping the team succeed right exactly exactly um you know i'm there's a balance between micromanaging and and, and the worst the worst thing about micromanaging is because it's it's um demotivating mm. you know um but in the end you as the entrepreneur you as the founder it's your responsibility right mm. yeah if if your team freaking gets covid the whole team gets covid still your problem Yeah. Arsene, this was so much fun. Oh, cool. A Thank lot you. Of yeah. good stuff. I hope we uh I hope we can cut it down to a good pace and uh I could also um drop you like some contact info for me in case people want to reach out about uh talking yeah, about you can, stuff. You can share it immediately. So like what's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have thoughts, questions, yeah, just maybe uh, they want to join. Or uh, find me on LinkedIn. I respond to everybody in LinkedIn, even if you're selling me shit. And I will ask you to buy something in Merge In, and then I'll talk to you. That's my new thing. Wow, wow. that's a good one. That was Converting. an Andrew Green uh, comment. <laughs> buy buy, oh. buy something before talking. That's perfect. Yeah, good one, Andrew. <laughs> All right, sir. Amazing stuff. Hey, thanks. Have a good weekend. See you, man. Thank, thanks yeah. for having me. Bye. Thanks again to my guests for joining this show. If you have time, please go and sign up to our newsletter at elitegamedevelopers.com slash newsletter. Since every Friday morning, I send out a piece on gaming startups, what I've experienced recently as an investor, things that I'm seeing and thinking about. I really want to share a lot to you guys. So if you have time, please subscribe to the newsletter. That would be awesome. And I'll see you next week on the podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.